What the F is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to what? The If. Wake up. Wake up. Wake the if. Sleepy time is over. Now, you're probably, you're unlikely to be listening to this around the same time of day uh, that we are recording it. Um, I was going to say we record this shortly after I wake up, but I'd almost say we record this shortly before I wake up. Because <laughs> it takes, takes the coffee time to kick in. Uh, we record on Friday mornings here in New York City, where it's a wonderful holiday time. We had some snow flurries the other day, very, very briefly. Did you see those, Gabby? Oh, it was nice. Incredibly scenic and also a little relieving considering that like it's been kind of a temperature roller coaster here. I think it like yeah. goes back up to like 55 Fahrenheit or something like that this weekend, like a truly non-December temperature here. So it was almost a little bit of a relief, like, whew, okay, we can have normal December temperatures in December again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and uh, we are glad to be back with you. I, uh, I apologize for uh, us being off for two weeks. Um, I was, uh, first we had Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. And then, uh, I was at a conference, uh, just last week in Seattle, uh, that some of you might find interesting. It was, uh, it was called, it, it had one of the most grandiose names of any con- concert, <laughs> conference I've ever been at. Um, it was called the World Congress of Science and Factual Producers. And basically that means... I'm thinking American English, we would just say documentary producers. Like there were people there from uh, the heads of uh, documentary films for National Geographic and BBC and uh, PBS's Nova was there, mm-hmm. one of the jewels of American broadcasting and uh, lots of things like that. So that was really cool. There were also some YouTubers there, which was honestly for me like extra fun. It's, I've, it's been a long time since I've watched that much television. I shouldn't say that because mm-hmm. I somewhat depend on that as a career. <laughs> but uh, uh, there, um, uh, Derek, uh, I can't remember his last name, but Derek, Derek Mueller, or Mueller, uh, f- the head of, uh, the star of Veritasium. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I, I, it's a show on YouTube, a channel on YouTube, as they call it, and uh, Veritasium. And A, it took me a long time to figure out how to pronounce the show. It makes more sense when you see it on the screen. But I have been watching him for years, and it's like a regular television quality show. I've always been amazed, and yet there it is on YouTube. So shout out to Derek uh, and a bunch of others. Um, so cool stuff. Uh, Matt is away this week. Gabby, where, where do we think Matt might be this week in time? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure that he out. Is a, Historian. He's a historian of science. So sometimes there are emergencies within the history of science that Matt needs to attend to, like Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. If it's if it's you know this is is getting towards maybe the the beginning of the you know end of the year. So I feel like maybe there's something like that where you know all of the time (sighs) defenders have to assemble and make sure that the new year actually happens. 
So I can only think that there's some sort of battle with like kind of a time Ouroboros thing going on here. That That's that sort of my best, the most logical guess. I think that makes sense. And Matt, and Matt is actually uh, a legend. Matt has a legendary end of year party. Um, and I'm drawing a total blank on the name of the god, but there's some ancient Babylonian god who must must be fought or smite, smoted, sm- killed. I don't know, banished, vanquished, um, in order for the sun to come back. So it could could have something to do with that. He may be very far back in time. Um, but with us. As you just heard, Gabby Panicia from uh, a virologist at Rockefeller University is here. And uh, how are things going with you? Any um, uh, anything seem, anything seems strange in your timeline, or all's good? Hmm, strange in my timeline. Well, besides the normal, like you know, glitches in the matrix, uh, I feel like it might be relatively normal. I mean, actually, you know, here's here's actually one thing that I think is not going normally. I have almost all of my ho- holiday shopping done. I have one oh, person I need to get one more gift for, and I have been at that state for like the past week. So I, I'm like pretty well set up in a way that like I'm not normally. Normally there is a little bit of scramble right now to get <laughs> stuff for like three or four other people, like last minute gifts. But I, I was yeah. buying stuff like before Thanksgiving this year. I did not expect to be so on it. That is impressive. And do you do this shopping online or are you in person? I'm mostly an in-person kind of person, but there was some nice. stuff that I got that was like had to be printed, so that was online. But for the most yeah. part, yeah, in person. I like trying to go to like businesses around New York. Um, like I, there's this tea shop I love, and mm-hmm. that usually makes like great gifts. And walking in there is really cool because it's all like it's an old building, and it's all like wood floors and big glass jars full of tea. And then you order it, and they weigh it out on this big brass scale. It is the coolest spot to go to, and I always get people like some teas from there. Um, oh, like one awesome. one year, I got my mom like ceremonial grade matcha from this place, and they pulled open the jug, and the entire shop smelled like matcha. It was really cool, <laughs> and I kind of just like go like I I like an excuse to go in there. I'm not even a big tea drinker, but I love an excuse to go in there and like get somebody something because it's like this is gonna be the best tea you've had, and also ambiance. <laughs> that sounds good. I want some tea right now. Right. Um, uh, yeah, that's great. So we should do. Maybe we'll do a gift uh, or do a gift uh, recommendations thing. I, I throw out. I just. I. I just like Etsy. Etsy's really good. Oh yeah. Actually, if you have a lot of artistic friends, Etsy's kind of fun. Um, also, if you are looking for space related gifts or some, you have a you have a family member or somebody uh, a friend who loves uh, things to do with the planets or the cosmos or things like that, or NASA, uh, the Chop Shop Store online by Thomas Romer. He's a, he's an old friend and colleague of mine, does beautiful, beautiful T-shirts and posters, all kinds of really cool stuff. So I can recommend Thomas. Um, let's get right to it. Uh, but by the way, I, I want to give a shout out to, we've gotten a number of wonderful uh, incoming uh, emails to the mailbag and uh, one of them I'm holding off on uh, just because it, it, we're going to run with it as an if, and it's a kind of a good surprise if. I don't want to spoil it. Um, let me see if I have one in here. Uh, but <laughs> we got a great note from Dan, our generous Patreon supporter, Dan Floyd, uh, who writes in about, uh, oh, wait, wait a second. I've got a. Can't 
do this without the appropriate going fanfare. the appropriate fanfare exactly. And we're going to the mailbag. Yes. Dan Floyd, our Patreon supporter, one of the best, one of the greatest. If you're not a Patreon supporter, do go to patreon.com slash what and check it out. You get all kinds of cool stuff. And you get to be you get to be on the same par uh, as Dan Floyd, who writes this uh, okay, so he's Dan writes in about our episode, the most recent episode, I think it was, and the title was Silent But Deadly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. That's right. That's right. Because we believe in, you know, proper uh, warnings. And uh, Dan says, this episode had me thinking... Oh, sorry. And Gabby, do you, do you remember what, what what was the topic there? For those who don't know what Silent But Deadly oh, means. Oh, yeah. Our Silent But Deadly episode was on farts that actually could kill you. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. This Dan says, this episode had me thinking about what would have happened if all life had evolved with deadly, with deadly flatulence. Hmm. I think you would have ended up with highly mobile life, no doubt. where one of the basic necessities is to get out of a location as quickly as possible. That sounds about right to me. Dan can, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Dan continues, on the other hand, the goal could be to expel the flatulence as far away from the host as possible. Following that line of thought, one could combine the two and imagine a creature whose farts are so powerful that not only are the gases moved far away, but the creature itself is moved in the opposite direction <laughs> in accordance with Newton's third law. Yeah, you know, I think, I was going to say it's not often that Newton and farts are put together, but actually I bet you at the appropriate grade level, uh, meaning anywhere from 12th grade down, um, Newton's third law and uh, the action-reaction power of farts is discussed every day. Uh, Dan finishes up by saying, in other words, I think a world where flatulence is deadly ends up powered by the same flatulence. Thank you for the amusing episode. So, yeah, I think I could see that. Um, I'm just checking, just checking the mailbag to see if I want to do it. No, no more. I don't want to do the other spoiler alert. That's coming. Stay tuned. And this week, so thank you again, Dan. Uh, this week, we get to another episode. And, and I think, you know, in keeping with my conference where reputable sources like National Geographic are there, I don't know that National Geographic has ever done a show on the power of flatulence. They probably have, you know, but I'm sure they did it in a high-minded way. Yeah, and I'm sure they did it very scientifically with a lot less giggling. Yeah, I, I have a friend who's an artist for National Geographic who does like a lot of their scientific diagrams. I'll have mm. to ask him. I'm sure they've done some. I, I can't get off this topic, but uh, but we will. <laughs> we will. We, we go higher, a little higher today. And um, we're ripping our if from the headlines uh, or screenshotting them, as we have to say today. Um, and uh, it comes from... Um, the New York Times, one of our favorite sources. Um, but do, before I read the article, Gabby, do you want to give us any any context? What what does it mean when we say we rip these things from the headlines? What does that have to do with our? What are we going to do with this torn headline? Yeah. So every week we usually not always, but we tend to go through some science that's been recently published, and you know either posted about in things like the New York Times or the journals Nature or Science. Uh, and we take a concept from that recently published research 
and we turn it into our if, a sort of what-if scenario that we run with as far as we possibly can, probably get to some sort of insane conclusions, uh, but hopefully some real science falls out of the science fiction along the way. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. Um, so here's the article, and it's by the wonderful Carl Zimmer, one of the greatest science writers out there today. And uh, Carl has been on our show. Uh, I'd love to get him back, actually. We'll, we'll see if we can do that. But he writes uh, in the Times um, just about a week ago. The headline is, Penguins take thousands of naps every day. Mm. Penguins take naps. The bird's impressive ability to nod off may be an adaptation to an environment of constant interruptions. Well, I think we can relate to that. Uh, Carl writes, penguins are champion power nappers. Over the course of a single day, they fall asleep thousands of, thousands of times. Each bout a few seconds long, a new study has found. Although animals have a wide range of sleeping styles, penguins easily take the record for fragmented sleeping. Quote, it's really unusual, said Paul Antoine Liborel a neuroscientist at the Neuroscience Research Center of Lyon in France who helped make the discovery. Quote, this just highlights the fact that we don't know much about sleep and all animals are not sleeping like the way we read in textbooks. <laughs> um, and just to, to cut to the chase here, basically, um, they uh, studied... Um, Penguins down at uh, Antarctica is where the penguins live, right? Uh, no, uh, I don't think that's where they were. Or is it uh, north? It was no. an island. Uh, King George. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. It was King George Island. Sorry. I didn't read the last right. part of it. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. So in 2019, Dr. Liberell and his colleagues tracked sleeping animals in an even more remote environment, King George Island, just 70 miles north of Antarctica. Um. And in December 2019, the researchers outfitted the penguins with electrodes and other sensors that recorded their activity for up to 11 days. I can imagine, I, I have an image of these penguins like wearing like Apple watches. <laughs> and uh, the birds split their time between swimming in the ocean, as you do, even <laughs> in Antarctica, and staying at their nests to keep their eggs and chicks warm. Between each trip to sea, which took around nine hours, the penguins spent 22 hours on average taking turns caring for their young. Uh, while in the ocean, the birds barely slept, spending just 3% of their time resting on the surface of the sea, the study found. And when the penguins returned to their nests, their brain waves slowed to a pattern that is typical for sleeping birds, but only for a few seconds. Then they woke up again, only to fall back asleep. The birds sped through this cycle 600 times an hour. That's... 10 times a second, I think. Uh, humans, too, can experience this sort of multi-sleep, though typically only after failing to get a good night's rest. It can be dangerous, especially if we're nodding off at the wheel of an automobile. But for chin-strap penguins, micro-sleep is the norm. So uh, we've read that now, and we're going to transform it. It's going through the what-the-if transformation. We, we, we put it in some sort of transformer device uh, that will turn it into an if. And uh, what is the if that comes out the other side? Gabby, what, do we, what, what incantation do we have to announce to start this thought experiment? What are we asking? Yeah. Well, I think the obvious thing here is uh, 
doing this for people. Yes. And we ask, oh, first of all, everyone, sorry, Gabby, help us out. It's tough. I know because you're our solo pilot today, so there's a lot on your shoulders. Uh, what's the safety procedure people should adapt now as we prepare to play the fanfare? Oh, yeah. Since our universe is uh, going to be changing uh, for over the course of the next you know, half hour where we're talking, you may want to adopt some sort of uh, safety procedure. Helmets, uh, knee pads. Uh, <laughs> Phil pad. is particularly partial to the papper or the respirator I wear yes. in BSL-3. Uh, you know, just really <laughs> assemble a whole host of random personal protective equipment that might help you prepare for whatever we're going to unleash. Yeah, the Ghostbusters got nothing on us. We're, we're, we're even better prepared than the Ghostbusters. As we ask, what the if... Humans had microsleep like chin strap penguins. We would sleep. Uh, they said they had microsleep. They had 600 uh, microsleeps in an hour. So yeah. I can't even imagine. What in the world does that? It, what it doesn't say is how long they are. Awake. I was actually saying if they had 10 per second, but it's actually, I don't know, something's not adding up about this uh, math here. So but. it seems like they said they microsleep for an average about four seconds at a time uh, right. and accumulate apparently about oh, 11 way, hours of sleep. Sorry. I, I don't know. What was I saying 10 times per second? 10 times per minute. Yeah. That makes, is that right? If it's 60, 600 times in an hour. And there are 60 minutes in an hour. That means that there's 10, 10 naps per minute. Does that seem right? Doctor? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I assume there's some amount where, like, there's probably some variance, right? Um, right, right, of course. So, I mean, also, too, if each microsleep is about four seconds or something, that, you know, that can maybe extend it. Um, but apparently yeah. it adds up to more than 11 hours of sleep a day. So they actually sleep more than we do um, right. just by taking these sort of consecutive four-second naps. Um, mm -hmm. And to get into a little bit of why they do this, which I don't think it was mentioned in, in what you read in the article, it's that, you know, if they're guarding their chicks, there are predators that uh, yeah. would make a nice tasty meal out of a tiny little penguin chick or some eggs. Um, so they're taking these really, really, really tiny sleeps so that they're never really not looking after their eggs. But, you know, they have to sleep sometime. So because, you know, watching their kids is a full-time job, uh, they sort of just kind of take these little micro naps uh, so they can always keep eyes on the little ones, which I'm sure any new parent would actually wish that they had the ability to do yes, rather yes, than yes, needing yes. full deep sleep. Yes, yes. Or most of the parents that I know, especially the new parents, uh, would probably say, well, that's exactly what we do. Anyway, we wind up doing yeah. these microsleeps in a way. But um, here's the question is, what if we did this all the time? I mean, that's the real thought experiment, right? Not just why, while we have some sort of uh, highly important task. Oh, yeah. Hand. But uh, this, is your, this is our normal thing. This is how it is. So we don't sleep normally, let's say. Uh, or you, you do much more rarely than we do now, so it's not once a day. And uh, so I imagine, let's say, we could start off with the workplace, right? So <laughs> how does it work? Let's say you're, I don't know, what, what's a, a job? Say you're, say you're a, a virologist in a lab. 
mm-hmm. and you have to, you know, you do, you, you sneak in some micro sleeps as you're working. How could that possibly work? Yeah. So I think it would be interesting to kind of consider. So for one, for the penguins, it doesn't exactly seem to be, I don't know if it's voluntary. Like, because it seems to be a brainwave cycle, I don't know if it's something where they get to consciously choose the use of the four seconds where I'm going to microsleep. Um, yeah. So I can imagine some ways in which for a job like mine, that might actually hurt. Uh, but it also could help. So when you're a scientist, there's a lot of times where you have sort of weird downtimes where things need five minutes to incubate or you're sort of just, you know, waiting for liquid to flow through a column so you can continue harvesting DNA. Uh, There's a lot of, like, not active work or periods where you're kind of waiting between chunks of active work. So if I Mm. could fit in, like, a micro nap, um, like, you know, a human, like, you know, already as a human being, it would be a stretch to fit in, like, a 15-minute power nap in between one of those and I'd wake up like super disoriented. seems like these penguins are pretty alert the whole time. So just being able to like nod off for about four seconds at a time over the course of my, you know, five minute incubation, that actually sounds pretty nice to me. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think one thing we don't know is what is their experience during the nap? In other words, let's say you're holding a test tube Mm -hmm. and you fall asleep for four seconds. Do you drop the test tube? I think if you were uh, us, you probably, or well, let's say you definitely possibly might drop the thing, right? In other words, when you're sleeping, when you're driving and you start falling asleep, which is not a good thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you definitely veer left and right. <laughs> you know, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're not able to keep your focus. So um, they're sort of saying, the penguins are imagining, look, I, could, I can go four, if I sleep for four seconds, that's not enough time for a predator to sneak up on me. So my guess is that when they're out, they're out, right? Uh, like, like you know, it's like dead asleep for four seconds? Yeah, maybe not deep, deep sleep, but they're definitely not. In other words, if we're trying to integrate this into our workday, it has to be something that you definitely have to be able to do without falling asleep. So, like sitting yeah. at a desk, at a computer, you could be okay for that. But holding test tubes or doing other. Yeah, so, working with machinery, as they say. I mean, I will yeah. say, apparently the micro-sleeps the, the when the penguins are like actively caring for the eggs, apparently mm-hmm. it's they're shorter and more frequent. So I don't know if it's like the difference between four seconds and one second. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that might kind of change the thing, the arithmetic, right? Like, is one second enough for you to drop your test tube? Um, but it probably is enough to start causing traffic accidents. So for human beings, I think this, this yeah. came up in the article that, you know, we will micro-sleep, but only if we're sleep-deprived. Um, that's essentially, you know, somebody starting to fall asleep behind the wheel and, like, you know, losing a couple of seconds, uh, where it's just like, you know, you blinked and you lost chunks of time. That's sort right. of the micro-sleep. Um, and so I guess that's sort of what I'm thinking of with that, you know, maybe these penguins are experiencing those moments where, like, you don't even notice that you went and you were asleep. Um, right. But all of a sudden, you just dropped. And, and I feel like, that presents some really interesting things because, yeah, I've fallen asleep pretty hard. Uh, and so if I'm doing that, you know, 10 times uh, a minute, uh, I'm going to probably drop a lot of the stuff I'm holding. Um, yeah, so I've already imagined it. We already have an alternate history here because uh, let's say, so you were saying you can't drive. You, this would, you wouldn't be able to drive if this is how people were constantly falling asleep. 
Uh, so, and having micro naps while they're driving. So I think what could have happened was we did start using horses for transportation. Let's imagine you could do that. You could be right. Uh, um, um, like I have a horse and cart and be driving. Mm -hmm. And the thing is you have the micro sleep, but the horse doesn't, let's say, or even if the horse does, they're okay with it too. So it's sort of, it works. The automobile comes around and they quickly discover that it's a disaster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People can't drive. You know, and they don't know anything. They don't know anything other than being creatures who have microsleeps constantly. So, therefore, the history of the automotive is delayed, and you know, a uh, hundred years or something like that. They humans don't develop powered vehicles until self-driving vehicles can be done. Mm. Yeah, that or so. Part of my thought was like. You know, maybe we develop more more reliance on like rail based transportation. Oh, okay. Things yeah, that you're right. do not require yeah. sort of an active, yeah, like a, as yeah. active and ever changing of a dynamic and as uh, driving. Uh, but what yeah. that did make me think is is you know there's if we think like okay maybe then you know because we we won't develop that like automated whatever until like digital age. At, at least if you're on rails, I'm thinking that like you know. There's a shocking number of extremely advanced, very analog methods. Um, so, for example, like I watched this video the other day of somebody taking apart an old record player that was entirely gears. There was nothing in it that was electrical in any way, and it was uh, this a record player. Yeah, yeah, it was this insanely cool uh, device, and. You know, it kind of. Oh, it must have been like a Victrola or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's something like that. I would love to tell you the model, but I don't actually know. Yeah, um, yeah. But essentially, getting at the fact that you know, we are still clever people, and so we would have found a way around this problem that we have, uh, rather yeah. than necessarily feeling like we need to wait for it. Um, yeah. So I feel like there probably would have been more mechanical innovations towards kind of keeping things on track and maybe like scheduled and kind of running smooth, yeah. so the amount of sleeping human intervention that was needed was a little bit less. Um, oh, and there was another thought. Of, oh, that or human history, especially I feel like in the Americas, is rife with things not being regulated as much as they should have and people being hurt anyway. So I do <laughs> really wonder whether or not, like, we probably would have still invented these things and they would have still been dangerous and maybe they didn't catch on, but I feel like it would have been right. in our history where it's like, yeah, remember when people were trying to make cars a thing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that. Although I also, I imagine all kinds of other bizarre things like um, I imagine things stay on the rails, but we still invent individual cars and we just have rails all kinds of rails everywhere. So, you know, you just, and everyone's just driving on those little, those little things where you, uh, you always see in the movies, like the silent movies, was it where two guys are standing on a little car that they have a lever, they push up and down. Oh, yeah. Like a little push car. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and they could take micro naps because the other person on the other side of the thing is, it takes two people to pump a car and move around on these rails. Anyway, nonsense. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, what about uh, what other what other large societal changes might you see? Yeah, so one of the things adapt to this that I'm foreseeing yeah. is that we're not day night locked. So ah, yeah. the thing for us is that you know we're generally awake in the daytime, asleep in the nighttime, and yeah. 
one of the fortunate things about living in New York City is it's one of the few places where things still happen at night. Um, most other places, you can't walk out of your apartment at one in the morning and say, I'm going to get a slice of pizza. Um, but if we live in a world where, you know, people are only taking micro naps and there's no need for a long dedicated sleep at night, you kind of lose the societal day night pressure. Uh, so yeah. that way there would sort of be more of an incentive to keep things open at night uh, for us to kind of have more of this 24 hour cycle where we can actually, you know, then in this world, you can go outside at one in the morning and get yourself a slice of pizza because people are probably still working and, and going about their normal days at one in the morning. We have a full 24-hour cycle that we could play with, with, you know, just these tiny little micronaps studded between. Right. right. In fact, I, I imagine that the, um, the CEOs of the companies um, say, you know, people are sleeping most, <laughs> we're having these people sleeping so much on the job, it's not going to be an eight-hour day. It's going to be a much longer day. So it's probably going to be like a 12-hour day or something like that, like 12-hour work day, mm. let's say. 12-hour shift, you know, because people are sleeping so much on the job. Um, and the executives, I imagine, as you work your way up in the company, you're entitled to have more naps. So so naps, uh, it, what does your, your, let's imagine just a normal corporate desk, you know, like a cubicle, right? And you work in this cubicle. And what, is there anything in there that might... Um, be different because it's more attuned to being able to nap. I mean, first I was thinking, oh, you'd have pillows and stuff like that. But actually, in a way, we don't do that anymore. So maybe we actually, maybe it's the opposite. We don't have bedrooms anymore. We don't have beds. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, right? honestly, we might not because we don't need a dedicated sleeping space. We can, it also seems like, you know, the, pen, the, the penguins, when they knock out, they're still standing up. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, this might be the kind of thing where, you know, you are just going about your day, you have your coffee, you pass out for four seconds, and you just keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you're just kind of perfectly standing still there, but are frozen for a little bit. Um, <laughs> and honestly, there are animals that have adapted to sleeping in unusual positions. For example, this is kind of a non sequitur, but bats, their specific thing is that they their feet will curl closed. Like, it takes yeah. energy to, like, flex them open, so essentially, it's not a thing that they have to focus on keeping their claws flexed and tightly, uh, you know, clenched against the roof of a cave. It's that that's the way that their feet are, that they'll be locked against the the cave ceiling no matter what. So if we're right. creatures that kind of have to maintain ourselves upright during all of our micro sleeps, I get the feeling that we'll probably actually have been pretty good at that sort of it, it won't be that just you know we pass out for four seconds and fall over every minute of the day yeah yeah in fact i had a thought that if if you had a clerical job oh, by the way i keep hearing myself oh now it's going away again do you hear an echo when i talk no no okay yeah weirdness um so uh in your in your maybe i was maybe i had a micro micro nap there um you're sitting at your desk i imagine we would have also developed earlier on autocomplete or some kind of I don't know, primitive AI that allows you to type well, you could continually be typing something into your computer, even though you're napping through it, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of on and off, on and off, on and off. Um, I did wonder how this would be carrying on a conversation. 
So oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think penguins are vocal. That's a boring conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm like looking this up. So, okay. Yeah. So what, what I said about vocal learners, I'm pretty sure I've covered this before on the podcast, but to anybody who hasn't heard this before, uh, there are species of animals, including us and species of birds like parrots that are essentially capable of like learning and like mimicking sound. And that's, I don't want to go so far as I say language, but it's essentially a very, can be a very advanced communication system because it's not just innate. This is the sound that everything in my species makes for an owl. You can get very unique calls that can, you know, mean very specific things. Um, And that can, you know, evolve over time. And I don't mean that in an evolutionary sense. I mean that in just sort of a changing sense. Um, And so penguins aren't vocal learning species, so their communications are not particularly extensive, but we are. So imagine this podcast where 10 times a minute, me and Phil are falling asleep. There's just <laughs> Who's silence. to say that doesn't happen? I mean, maybe, right? But like, th- imagine it too. Like, there's no guarantee we're yeah. all synced. So I'm saying right. something. I stop for four seconds. And then <laughs> Phil maybe thinks I'm done. Does he start talking over me? Like, does he just have to wait? So, I mean... That's just that image sort of just struck me as like how we're communicating in this must be hysterical to watch. Well, and also now you really remind me of something that, you know, um, when you do fall asleep for a moment and you wake up again, um, like you're super tired, right? You fall asleep for a second, you wake up again, everything has moved. So you're Mm -hmm. sort of startled by, right? It's like everything has jumped. So it's as if, you know, essentially the world just keeps, is what in film we would call jump cuts. Yeah. You know, that just, you're, you're looking at things and then suddenly, boom, they're somewhere else and boom, they're somewhere in a very small way. Like if you were, if you were staring at a clock, um, you, your experience of that clock would be that it, it just keeps jumping forward periodically, right? For the length of your nap. Uh, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. So, um, how do you, uh, how do we have entertainment? And like, what if you, you suppose you're making a movie or something like that. How do you deal with the fact that, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe people who make, I, I don't have this much experience with movies at a high level. Maybe in Hollywood, they do just assume that people are falling asleep periodically. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. And everyone being out of sync is really kind of that idea that uh, you could, you could fall. In other words, um, you and another person could fall into, I forget what they call that, when you have, you have two, two waves, in a sense, cancel each other out, right? So you're perfectly oh, out of uh, sync with each other. Destructive interference. Yeah, destructive interference, essentially, in the, in the wave, in the rhythm of your sleeping and waking. You're asleep, you're awake, you're asleep, you're awake. So every time you're awake, the person you're with is asleep. Mm-hmm. It would appear to each of you that basically the other person is just asleep continuously, and you would have no idea. Yeah. So it so I have a, a couple thoughts about, you know, how either our societies or us would have maybe slightly adjusted for this, right? So you yeah. mentioned film and I was kind of thinking about that before 
in in the way that you know the actors are going to be micro sleeping that's probably not going to be cut yeah. out <laughs> yeah. the the musicians are going to be micro sleeping <laughs> right. so your recordings of the music are going to probably have chunks that are just yeah. silent or like you know you hear the trombone like really go because the trombone guy <laughs> fell asleep and the slider just sort of went um and so in my head it's like you know we probably would develop very or different forms of media or just a, a emphasis on different ones. So for example, would this society yeah. have more emphasis on things like paintings that don't shift or <laughs> things that are interactable uh, as forms of entertainment versus things that you watch because watching is no longer as reliable or continuous of a phenomenon. Um, yeah. So would would, you know, you get more things like paintings? Would you get more things like paintings that, you know, move depending on where you are so that you can still maybe follow a narrative, but it's, you know, sequential and that you, in your micro-sleeping, are choosing how you're interacting with it? Would we develop some kind of micro-sleep suppression circuit just if you're engaged in some, like, you know, conversation that enables us to in some way would we essentially develop any kind of thing that syncs our micro sleeps with people that we're talking with um, or like our social group in my head i'm thinking periods like those sync so there's got to be some way that micro sleeps would sync in this uh society given how social we are um yeah and so those are kind of where my head is at that like we can't imagine that this society would sort of be the way that we are there's got to have been some shifts in what would have been popular based on this just sort of state of existence. Yeah, I, I love the idea that slow entertainment is much more prevalent in this society, which also it gave me an image of like us receiving, uh, let's say we for some reason received a television, you know, we, we picked up the television broadcasts of some alien civilization and we noticed that their entertainment was incredibly slow. And then we might for years just say, oh, well, Clearly, this culture, they just they just like very, very slow things. They appreciate that, you know, and they're enlightened because of that and whatever. And then when we finally get to their planet and we discover, no, actually, they, they have these micro-sleeps. It's like, oh, that's why. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a biological reason for their slow-tainment. Um, that'd be pretty cool. Also, you mentioned syncing. Yes, how people naturally falling in sync or not. I could imagine at the beginning of a movie, let's say, or any event, um, that there is some sort of uh, ritual that actually allows everyone to get into sync. Um, so Taylor Swift comes out <laughs> at the beginning of her concert, and they play some sort of a rhythm, or they have a timer. You know, like the old when, when movies begin with the old countdown: ten, nine, eight. There's mm. something that that or a chime starts going, so that people are able to. You can kind of get yourself to now sleep, now wake now sleep, now wake, right? And eventually you can get everyone in Wembley Stadium sleeping and waking at the same time, which would be a profound experience for the people there because once everyone is, let's say 100,000 people are in sync uh, with their sleeping and waking, it would seem as if they are always awake. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't realize that they're sleeping, you know? That could be pretty wild. But then I'm sure there's so many stories of like everybody being out of sync with the concert or something like that, or yeah. like ones that like, you know, like the garage band concert uh, that, you know, everybody doesn't quite sync up well. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I really, it's, it's not like you were in the cheap seats it's that uh, you got like the one bad sync light and, it, you, <laughs> you know, you just had a terrible time. You were asleep for half the concert. 
Yeah. And then there, there'd be a band that becomes known, you know, they create a whole new form of music because it's based on the fact of each of the band members being asleep at different times, like you were saying, you know, and that just becomes this cool, like this, some sort of punk rock version, you know? Yeah. We don't sink, you know, we don't sink our sleep. We just sleep. We just sleep. We just fall asleep. It's the way it is. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> or um, I would yeah. be curious of like, you know, human beings are infinite for, you know, exploiting biological compounds. Uh, how much caffeine might we consume uh, to oh, negate yeah. the microsleep? So oh, yes. in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, what you mentioned about like work productivity and us maybe trying to get these sort of continuous things to happen. Human beings are yeah. always doing things to our bodies that maybe aren't actually best for us. Uh, one of yeah. which being, you know, running on very little sleep. Uh, so I wonder if that would sort of happen here too, that, you know, you get people trying to caffeinate themselves to maybe modulate the the length or frequency of their micro naps so that, you know, yeah. maybe you don't have to, to deal with that uh, when you're trying to really get, you know, that last minute term paper done in, in college, in, fan, in this alternate universe college. Right. It'd be like, dude, I just stayed up for five minutes. I was up for five minutes straight, <laughs> man. Losing my mind. I'm up, I've been up for five <laughs> minutes straight. <laughs> no naps. Um, uh, and uh, on the flip side of that, um, people also would explore trying to get themselves to sleep longer and longer in more continuous fashion. And the fascinating thing about that could be that they discover dreaming. See, let's say they never know about dreams, right? Because they, they only do micronaps, let's say. Um, imagine that people discover, you know, oh, well, if you sleep for like an hour, you start to go into this crazy, trippy state. You know? Bro, you hallucinate if you sleep for like more than like 10 minutes. Bro, it's yeah, wild. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. 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 I think it'd be kind of cool that dreams would really take on an interesting... Um, Kind of thing, probably in in not dissimilar to the way, for instance, in some cultures where you know there's a shaman and they take drugs of some kind, right? Or hallucinogens, like you said, they mm -hmm. they go out, right? They leave the tribe and they go out into the wilderness and they, you know, take some hallucinogenic drugs and uh, draw rock, awesome rock art. I love to go look at those things, petroglyphs and things like that. Is, but is um, that what cave people used to do? Yeah. Have you seen, you know those petroglyphs? Yeah, but I, I didn't always yeah. think they were hallucinogen induced. I wouldn't say always, but that's that yes, no, that's definitely part of it. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um because in fact there's fascinating books uh, I've read about because I used to I, I used to hunt petroglyphs. I, I love especially when I lived out west. I would love to go places, you know, and there'd be you'd get some map sort of showing where there was Ooh, sort of cool. ancient rock art, and you could then in the back of this campsite, and you go around a tree, and you go through a tunnel, and you know, and then you Ooh. come upon some ancient thing. Yeah, really cool. And then there's some famous ones that are in national parks that you can also visit, walk up to. But um, um, there are books that have looked at the kinds of visions you have when you're on different drugs, mm -hmm. and uh, like you see certain shapes, for instance, and then they show petroglyphs that have those same shapes in them. Ooh. So it helps, it, you know, it doesn't change the meaning of it. So for the, for the native person who made that rock art, you know, for them, it, this is a story of, uh, you know, some uh, angel that came down and, you know, 
transform their lives or whatever like that. But the but just sort of the visual shapes that they drew to represent that um, seems similar to what you see under the influence of other things. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so, lastly, where do you know? Imagine this on a grand scale. So millions of years of evolution or millions of years of humans evolving with this thing, um, what might uh, the world look like when we uh, jump way ahead as we like to do as we wrap up? Yeah. So I think, one, this is a society that probably does not require a certain amount of like snap decision and like permanent attentive state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sports are probably very different. If like, oh, wait, wait, we just have to take a moment for the sports. Okay, so just imagine you do a lot of sports. Uh, it, well, I do like one martial art, but I do have the yeah. really, I think, amazing mental image of like a football player who just catches like a Hail Mary and they're booking it, but oh, micro sleeps. Right. So like they just flatten, like <laughs> you get down the, the field for like four seconds and then just yeah. knocked out. Uh, not mm -hmm. by any linebacker or anything like that, of course, just by the fact that they fell asleep, took a little nap. And then, of <laughs> yeah, course, yeah. you know, people chasing them are also just kind of randomly knocking out. Uh, and the referees are falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, you're getting like the commentary of like the, oh, and he yeah. fell asleep just short of the touchdown. What a yeah. shame. <laughs> That's good. I'd watch that game. Pretty good. Sorry. So, yeah, sports. Yeah. What other horrible situations have evolved? <laughs> I don't know that this species is going to last very long. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's got to look very different from the way that we succeed. The penguins are very successful. Yeah. They've been around yeah. for a hot minute. Uh, so clearly yeah. this is useful. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a society that is awake in some capacity 24 hours a day, uh, yeah. which is actually interesting in the way that, like, you know, generally our vigilance goes down at night. We're... Yeah. You know, so I, I feel like that's going to change. Uh, it's going to be harder to break into somebody's house in the middle of the night when they're all asleep when actually they're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of in the realm of what I'm thinking here. Yeah, yeah. No, that seems good. I, I think ultimately the, the penguins are going to be in charge. The penguins are going to dominate because they're like, <laughs> look, we have this microsleep thing too, and we just don't try to do anything stupid with it. You know, we just... We just care for our young. evolve a society on <laughs> exactly. This. That was your mistake. Your hubris. <laughs> We're happy with this, with our condition. Yeah, we live at the South Pole. It's fine. What could possibly go wrong? Um, well, thank you, thank you for this. Uh, this is a real tour de force, as we often have. Uh, really, really spectacular. I want to thank Taylor Swift for her for guest starring with us, and and uh, we appreciate that. Um, and uh, everyone else. Um, is there uh, what's your? Do you have a takeaway, sort of a, a moral to this story that you would take away, or just mm -hmm. some sort of lasting? Yeah, thought? I mean, so even though they microsleep, they do still get about eleven hours, which sounds pretty nice to me. Oh, so yeah. this is I'm going to use this as my check in with your sleep cycle, uh, and if you are yeah. feeling generally sleep deprived, try to catch up on it. Uh, I know it's it's best just to get, you know, regularly and consistently long sleep. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, you don't want to be behind the wheel of a car and then micro-sleeping. And yeah, that's that's not great. Uh, so check in with your sleep cycle. 
Very good. Check in with your sleep cycle. Very good. Also, yeah, it just seems like this story is very appropriate for those of us uh, in our audience who are in the Northern Hemisphere and currently experiencing the longest nights of the year um, were, were the shortest days that uh, microsleep seems like a good idea. But microsleep in moderation, as mm-hmm. they say. Yeah, very good. Um, I also uh, refer you to, I do go, out, go, go to the New York Times. Whenever I read these stories, I feel like I also want to encourage people to support your print journalists oh, yeah. and go to the New York Times um, or, or any publication that you enjoy. But especially if you want to find out more about this story, uh, the headline was Penguins Take Thousands of Naps a Day by Carl Zimmer in the New York Times. Um, Gabby, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything exciting uh, coming up? Hmm. Nothing so far. Uh, however, I would encourage you to Google what chinstrap penguins look like if you are not aware. Yes. That I feel like, you know, we've been mentioning these guys the entire episode. They are adorable. Yeah. They adorable. do have a little chin strap. It's it's very yeah. cute and it's very funny how much yeah, they look like some some kid who can't really fully grow a beard yet. Um oh. <laughs> now, now I was thinking that they look I was I had a slightly more dignified view. It, it was like they look like beef eaters, you know, those, the soldiers who guard the queen, you know, have the giant black hats and they have the little chin strap around their chin. You know. hmm. Yeah, I mean that too. But I also just think in my head, I'm just imagining like they have like the little, yeah. little, the little beard. Um, they're also just very cute little penguins. Yeah, yeah, they're super cute. As are their chicks. Oh, yeah. Their babies uh, uh, that are, um, there's, there's a beautiful picture of one of the, Adult penguins sitting on top of two <laughs> fuzzy chicks. Very Just cute. fluffy Muppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything to plug uh, other than I hope Matt will... Uh, hope we sh- a shout out to Matt, Professor Matt Stanley, in uh, wherever you are in the history of time. We hope everything's going all right. And we look forward to his return uh, and telling tales, whatever he's allowed to divulge, which is not a lot. Not a lot. Um, Gabby, would you help us now... Um, with the closing protocols, how do we, we need to restore the balance in the force, as we might say. How do we do that? As we are nodding on and off in this new reality where we only microsleep, no full rest, we can't help but shout between our naps. <laughs> what? what? The Dreams, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye.